Miami has I have to say it. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. What, 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 what? How could you not predict at least 10 to 13 wins for next season is all I'm saying. But Jesus again. Jesus Christ, 13 wins. I Listen, you I, know, I said. You want an opportunity to play, and the Jets are giving me an opportunity to play. I just, I'm sorry. I just remember that you compared Kiseki to Kelsey. I'm sorry. I did not. You know what? About it, I am ready to get hurt again. And ladies and gentlemen, hurt. I was not as we were coasting and resting on a bye week and got to enjoy a Jets loss. And we still <laughs> sit at the top of the AFC East standings. I am the bearded fanatic, Manny Palacios. That is my co-host, the battered Jets fan. Danny, how the hell are you doing today? I uh, could be doing better. It wasn't the best of weekends, but, you know, we move on. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. I'm trying to keep in good spirits for the holidays. Right. you got to be thankful. Like, if my team's doing really well, we some people kind of expected it. But for people who didn't expect the Jets to do a, a whole lot this year, they're doing a whole lot. So that's as much as we're going to give the Jets talk. Well, uh, we have an arrogant little prick at quarterback that just got benched. So For sure. And he, he very well deserved it. But before we start talking about anything else, like you guys know who tune into the show every week, I love having guests. And when you talk about a staple in the like the Miami area as far as watching sports and reporting on sports, I grew up with two guys, Jim Barry and our guest today, Mr. Will Manso. Mr. Will Manso, thank you so much for joining us on the Battered Fins Fan Podcast. Well, first of all, it's great to be on. Second of all, you made me feel old now. You know, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's older than me, man. I, I can still take that on him. Now that Shapiro's gone, now that Shapiro retired, That's right. Jamie's the old man on the block. He is the old man on the block. And that's yeah, kind of – I, I started watching really hardcore around 91, 92. You came into the staple, I believe, when you started working for Channel 10. It was in 1999, if I'm not mistaken. Dan Marino's last year. Yeah, Correct. Dan Marino's last year was my first. And I have this argument with people. Just touch on that. And maybe you remember this or not. I remember when Dave Wanstead came in and we signed Jay Fiedler. And he specifically said before Dan, Dan Marino even said he was retiring, Jay Fiedler was my quarterback. Like – before training camp and all that, and, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way right off the back. But I'm curious, were, were you there around that time? Like, were you already involved in it? Remember, I got there Dan's last year, which was the ugly playoff loss. And the yeah. talk, remember the rumor was Dan was going to go play for the Vikings? You remember he that? He should have. Yeah. When you, it's, you know, what's funny now is that back then in those days, player loyalty was much more a thing than it is now. Right. We were so hooked on the player. Oh, he has to play his whole career. And now guys have figured out that, like, it's okay to go to another place and for extend sure. your career to give you a different opportunity. So you're right. I think if Dan Marino is playing in this era and that happens, what happened then with Jimmy Johnson and all the stuff and then the changeover, like you said, yeah. I think he would have probably gone to Minnesota given it a shot instead of retired because guys see that they could have success elsewhere. It, it, it's okay. It's okay to go to another team. You still remember it as, as the guy for the one team. You know? Right. And, and it was great to the, – the thought of it, Obviously, I would have hated for him to leave, but the fact of how of it ended here, to yeah. play with a rookie Randy Moss, Robert Smith at running back, you had Chris Carter on that team. That would have looked very special, but again, alas, we're, that's here, neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, we did have a few questions for you before we started talking about the Miami Dolphins. Um, I, I, I'm curious because, like I said, you've been doing this since 1999. You've been doing it actually much longer. I believe you were doing it in Montana as well, if I'm not mistaken on yeah, that. My first job. My first job in Missoula, Montana. Oh, my God. So, they have sports out in Montana? <laughs> they, they, got, they, threw a, they threw a Cuban kid from Miami in Montana at 21 years old covering uh, the University of Montana Grizzlies. And, and God knows what. I covered demolition derbies. I covered uh, rodeos. I covered a few rodeos back in the day. 
That is awesome. I, yeah. So in your long play career, play job? No, no. So on uh, like like what I do now, I work for I worked for the oh. CBS affiliate. Yeah. CBS affiliate of Missoula, Montana. That's interesting. I had, okay. You see, I the research, like, man. Like, the research. I find I find these things, man. But in your long career of interviewing, you you've obviously interviewed a huge amount of people from the mm -hmm. sports world. What's been your, I guess, not your favorite because, you know, you don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. But I guess what's the, the best interview that stands out to you in your memory? Oh, man, that's a long list, guys. Uh, I mean, I think if it's one interview, you know, there's a few that stand out. If it's an inter interview subject, the same thing. Like I got to yeah. cover Chris Boss for years with a member of the big three and LeBron and Wayne and those guys. It was fun to cover them every day for four years, man. I mentioned Dan Marino my last year. I got a quick story for you guys. I remember the first time, 23-year-old kid that I know that I'm going to interview Dan Marino. Now, it wasn't just me. It was the whole group waiting in the locker room. And out, you know, opens the door, and there comes Dan Marino. And I'm picturing royalty, right? Like a guy with yep. like, woo, like, you know, the the, the sea opens up, the sun, and the everything. spotlight and, is on him. Yeah. And here comes Dan Marino, man, it, with a towel on, ice packs all over his arms and knees and elbows and everything. And he just looks like a broken man, you know? And I'm thinking that's Dan Marino. And it, and it hit me of the, it was the first lesson at how brutal football is and the hits these For guys sure. take, especially when you play 20 years. But I tell you my favorite uh, interview that I mentioned to people that came out of nowhere was I interviewed Ted Williams before he passed. Really? And Ted Williams. I was a diehard baseball wow. fan growing up and I still love baseball, but especially as a kid, and I got the chance. He got inducted into the swimming hall or the uh, fishing hall of fame. Excuse me, swimming the fishing hall of fame, which is right there in Dania Beach. It's still there. You I, know what the that. Uh, what's that that outdoor that outdoor store that there is there off Dania Beach, right off ninety five. For those that are in South Florida, there's like an outdoor world, like one of those outdoor yeah, yeah. world places. Yeah, that place. Uh, uh, Bass right. Pro Shops, I believe it. Is That's what, you're what about. it is. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Right next to that, there's a international fishing hall of fame, and he was getting inducted. And they gave me five minutes with Ted Williams and I was by myself. He was in a wheelchair. He was obviously older. And I asked him one question. I said, wow, they know about the baseball player hall of fame, about a you know, fishing hall of fame. And he gives me a 20 minute answer where he's just telling me stories of fishing. And it was the coolest 20 minutes of my life to listen to Ted Williams tell stories. So that one kind of always stands out to me too. That, that's awesome. That is awesome. Wow, that, that's yeah. amazing that you got to, to interview Ted Williams, especially. Wow, that, that, that's I mean, awesome. I, trust me, I, sometimes I pinch myself thinking like I really – and back then I took it for granted, I think, because I was 23, 24 at the time, whatever it was. Right. And now I think 47, man. I wish I could get 20 minutes with Ted Williams and sit there and just pick his brain and talk to him. Well, because the dynamic of the timeline, right? Because Ted Williams, you picture for somebody in the 40s, and you got to interview – Ted Williams, and you've gotten to talk to Dan Marino, and it's like yeah. too extreme as far as as, as the time goes. That, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. really cool people along the way, man. I've been lucky. So yeah, to answer your question, just a lot of cool interviews over the years, a lot of really really good people and interesting stories. No, that was a great story, and and, and I appreciate you telling me that because I would have never, I would have figured it would have been like a basketball one. It would have been, a, but I, I appreciate the yeah. Ted Williams story. That's a fun story. Let me ask you something about the Dolphins because it's something that mm -hmm. my co-host and I go back and forth on. And we both have different answers, but we, we prefer to get your answer before we touch on it. At this point in the season, Will, man, so if you had to pick an MVP or who you think would be the NFL MVP, would you go Tua or would you go Tyreek Hill? 
I've been on the tour train all year, guys. And it's funny because Clay uh, Ferrero, who I work with over at Channel 10, he yeah. and I have a similar podcast like this. And then we do our Sunday night sports show and we debate a lot. And Clay and I agree on a lot, but we really disagreed a month ago. He feels it's Tyreek because Tyreek has changed the dynamic of what Tua can do and the weapons. And I agree 100% that Tyreek has changed the dynamic. He's allowed Tua to be Tua, you know what I mean? Because when right. he has that confidence in a guy that he can get in the ball in space and, and throw and, and the connection that they've formed really has helped Tua's game evolve. But when I look at just the bottom line, it's not just Tyreek that Tua's throwing to, number one. And number two is, it's as simple as this. When Tua plays and is healthy, the Dolphins win. When yep. Tua doesn't play or is not healthy, the Dolphins lose. And if I'm going to go on a guy who's an MVP, I got to go with a guy that helps you win. And Tua does that better than anybody right now in the league. And that's kind of my, my answer to Danny. And Danny, I'll let you jump in here. I, I've told you for now, like, yes, Tyreek Hill was balling even when it was Teddy Bridgewater. He was still balling mm -hmm. when it was Skyler Thompson. I get all that. Yeah. But when you talk about winning games, when Tua plays, he's winning. And that's why he's my MVP for this season. Yeah. But, I, I think, yeah. What, what, do you think it's Tyreek? You, you think it's Tyreek? Yeah. I, I think it's Tyreek. Yeah. I, I think it's Tyreek. He's not a bad pick. Well, it's not like he's, no, he's right, got a bad year. Look, for the. For the obvious reason, I feel like he has changed this offense completely. Yeah. Right? Once he got there, the amount of attention that people pay to him on the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's incredible. And they don't count it as a stat, but the amount of yards that he builds up with pass interference calls, like it should become a stat because of Tyreek Hill because he constantly helps the Dolphins get down the field just based off of pass interference calls. <laughs> No, I wouldn't say all that, but yeah. Well, just I mean, just attention. Look, the attention he gets alone is it. It helps everybody. Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki, whoever's coming out of that. Brent Sherfield, you know, right? We Sherfield's made some nice plays. You know, absolutely. I, I mean, there's no doubt about and, that. But I think what everybody goes back to is, but Tua is undefeated, and I and I get that. That that's a cute like uh, statistic. It's it's a cute statistic, but he was losing against the Bengals before he went out. What you say about Chase Edmonds dropping that touchdown? I know okay. Chase Edmonds dropped the ball. He should have. It was also close. It. To be fair, it was a it close. It was a close game. Road short week. There was a lot going on that week that they were probably still going to be in it though. And, For and sure. I, I do think they would have been in it, but and I chose the Bengals to win that game because I thought because it was a short week, it was in Cincinnati, and the Bengals were due because they had a really rough start to the season. They were playing. For, they were playing their ass off because they needed to start stacking wins. Yeah. Then they played against the Jets. I understand Zach Wilson sucks ass. I get that, <laughs> but their defense is legit, so no Absolutely. guarantee that they win that game. And then the Vikings, up until last week against the Cowboys, they looked like one of the most dominant teams in the NFL by far. So no guarantee that the Dolphins would have won that game. And then Tua comes back, and no fault of, no fault of his, the schedule gets a little softer again. So yeah. when, when people bring up the, the win-loss and how he's never lost, I understand why you say that because it's a fact. You can't deny a fact. But I think that there's – the circumstances helped that because I think that those three games would have been very tough for him to go 3-0 in those they three games. I, look, I, I, let's, let's, I think we all know this. It's not breaking news. We can all right. agree on this. Tua's going to lose a game at some point this year. Of course. So sure. I, think, I think the Dolphins are going to run the table, and Tua's not going to throw for three touchdowns and no interceptions, 300 yards every game. It's just not going to sure. happen. So right. when it happens, you're going to have a lot of people that come out and say, oh, look, Tua, see, this is where it gets he tough lost. on him. He lost the game. He lost. This is where it gets tough on him. Now, you stack, you mentioned stacking wins. Now, you stack L's, and all of a sudden, he has two or three of those. Then, all yeah. of a sudden, people are going to jump off that bandwagon and yeah. they're going to say, Oh, well, against better teams. But the body of work for Tua now is that it's not just the numbers, too, guys. And I know we'll probably talk more about Tua specifically, but yeah. the throws he's making, the anticipation, the reads. I mean, 
he's he's dropping dimes. Will he's total dropping control dimes. this offense? Total yeah. control this offense more so than maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes, and even more so because to me Mahomes never looks like he's in control of anything. He's just playing like a crazy person, throwing the ball everywhere because he's so amazing. He, I know. He, it's he, so he, fun he to watch what, Mahomes play. He mm-hmm. can do whatever he wants. Tua, in a more structured way, in the flow of an offense, looks more comfortable than any quarterback in the NFL right now. I agree. I, I agree, and I think that that. But the reason I think Tyreek Hill is that guy again because of the attention, because of the way that that offense has, has opened up. And he mm-hmm. look. I know that Sherfield has played well, but yeah. I think that a lot of that's due to Tyreek Hill. The oh, attention that Tyreek yeah. Hill gets, this guy's open in the middle of the sure. field all the time. It's I think I think if you asked him, he'd tell you the same thing, man. I want a guy like that over there getting attention. Yeah, it's yeah, for more, sure. More so, room for me. So I, I understand why people say Tua, and I think Tua has shut up a lot of people. I don't hear anybody talking about his arm strength anymore or about can he do it consistently. Like all that he's put to bed. Yeah. So I don't think that's a, that's an issue anymore. But I, I do think that Tyreek Hill has the, the offense for the Dolphins playing the way they have, and. I will also say that if it wasn't for this offense, the Dolphins would not have the record they have right now because the defense has been has been up and down all year yeah. on the and road. I'm, and I'm sure that's what you're touching atrocious. on right now. They are atrocious on the road. At home, for some reason, it's a completely different story. But on the road, they do a horrible job keeping the, uh, the other team outside the end zone. I don't understand why it's – because usually teams play better at home. But for it to be such a large disparity, it, it makes no sense to me. And I was kind of curious, why do you think it is that there's such a large – because it's not just subtle. Like, it's not a, a difference of, like, a, a touchdown. Like, it's, it's a mm-hmm. big difference. I, look, the home road splits are hard to explain because, like you said, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But there's always going to be a little better play at home. But I think sure. that the bigger issue for the Dolphins defensively is, number one, is they had they got hit with a bunch of injuries. And every team has. That's not an excuse. Every team has injuries. Correct. Some more, much more so than the Dolphins, by the way. So it's right. not like the Dolphins have the worst of it. Right. But I think not having Byron Jones from day one, uh, X got hurt early in the season, and, and and I thought was hobbled pretty much the first five six weeks, and he was getting exposed at times. I think part of it had to do with that injury. I think part of it had to do with trying to make up for the loss of Byron Jones and for trying sure. to do so much else. So I think that combination. I think. You know, interior play has been fine, but they were for a while they were having trouble getting to the quarterback. Jalen's been amazing. I mean, Jalen Phillips has been amazing pressuring the quarterback. The sack numbers aren't there yet, but he's right. He's, but he's, he's getting he's, there. He's, he's getting so there. Close, yeah. He's disruptive. Bringing Bradley Chubb in should help. But I think the in and out of the secondary. This is a passing league where teams are aggressive and 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 no, they they see a, a weakness in the secondary and they attack it. I think teams have done a good job. You know, Lions did. Fortunately, the Lions don't have a defense, so the Dolphins are going to win. But, I mean, those are things that, as the year goes on, are concerning when you think of how far Miami can go is, okay, in a big game against the Mahomes, against Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, whoever it may be, will that secondary, will that defense hold up? I think it's a fair question. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be the follow-up question that I was going to give you. I think that the Dolphins have, an obviously, and I don't think anybody can argue this, a Super Bowl-caliber offense. But because of their defense, do they need home field advantage in the playoffs, do you think, to reach the Super Bowl? Because if they don't get home field throughout the, the, the playoffs, me personally, I think that's going to be a big issue because of their defense. So yesterday was that uh, Dolphins um, Thanksgiving event that they do every year. They do a great event. A bunch right. of guys were there. And I was talking to some of the other you know, people from behind the scenes as well about the playoff race and about getting home field. And, you know, a couple of people within the organization were like, look, you know, this team can win anywhere. We're confident in that. But let's not kid ourselves. 
having home field, having home playoff games makes a world of difference. And every year you sure. see it in the playoffs. And that doesn't mean that every team with the number one seed doesn't always make it. We know that. There will there are always teams that find a way to win on the road to get the path to the Super Bowl. But I think with this team in particular, knowing what's out there, like we know the names, right? We know Kansas City, barring injuries. We know it's Kansas City. We know it's Buffalo. We know it's likely Baltimore and Tennessee. Like you see, you, everything's aligning itself to kind of what you expected, right? You talk about Cincinnati, teams that may maybe make a push, but the chances of they getting home field are unlikely. So you know the places you may have to go at some point in the playoffs. They're tough, cold, you know, good teams. So, yeah, defense is going to be a big part of that, and you ideally would want to be at home. But I will say this, guys, to the question of is the Dolphins' defense good enough to go to a Super Bowl, my yeah. answer is absolutely yes, because when you you're not going to have a perfect team. Ideally, yeah, you have a great offense and a great defense, but more often than not, one unit's carrying the other to the Super Bowl. For sure. And I think we can see where this is going with the Dolphins. The unit that's going to carry them anywhere is the offense. But I think the defense has enough pieces to just be good enough, right? Ben, don't break, get a big turnover now and then, hold the team late, make a stand. I think they're good enough because the offense is so good that they can still, with this defense, find a way to the Super Bowl. Being at home would obviously be much better than having to do it to the road. I, I could agree with, with the majority of what you said. The only thing is that when I've seen teams that are really good offensively but lack of defense, usually they have home field throughout most of the playoffs. Yeah. I think winning on the road with a bad defense really hinders your chances of winning the games because when you're going to go win on, a, on the road, people say a good defense travels, You know, a good special team travels, yeah. good running game. And I don't know if your defense. This team's not built that way. This team's not. Right. This team, no, sure, this sure. team, guys. This team's not kidding itself. This team is built around its offense. That's why they hired Mike McDaniel. Yeah, you right. know, they had Brian Flores. They had a defensive mind, a guy that couldn't get anything out of the offense, and they figured, you know what? The hell with it. We need offense, yeah. man. The only way we're going to get anywhere we want to go is scoring points. So we're going to ride a guy that can get us to score points, and that's how we're going to try to win. You're right, though. It doesn't always work. It's not the perfect formula historically in the NFL. But it's the formula that they believe that they can go far with this year. That's what you got. You got to work with what you got for sure. Yeah. Uh, and that goes to show you, I, I think the reason they made that change is you see a team like Kansas City and Buffalo go at it last year in the playoffs. You're like, maybe we do need to concentrate a little bit more on our offense. And that's why we have that type of offensive firepower now. But let, let's move into let's move into another thing because you, you just touched on it. The defense has shown plenty of time and Kate. Cater Co, who's playing amazing ball for, for a guy who came undrafted. So I, I definitely appreciate how good he's been for somebody that yeah, he's we, come out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. Byron Jones still not practicing. If you had to put a dime on it right now, do you think he's going to play at all this season or is he done? I don't Now That's not any Intel, by the right. way, that's right, not right, any right, guy right. inside information. Right. I don't, because I'll be honest with you. I remember being at the press conference right before, uh, it, right in training cramp. And right yeah. when they said he was going on the pup list and everybody was like, damn, you know, the, the talk all offseason was maybe he'd be ready for week one. Well, guess what? Right. Okay, he's not ready for week one. But then you think, okay, he goes in the pub, the pub list. Remember, the Dolphins had a couple tough games, but if you right. can kind of weather the storm early on, you get him back. Then by four weeks go by, Mike McDaniel's like, yeah, no update. He's not ready. He's not there yet. We just, you know, we, and then you finally get a setback. And I guess what I'm saying is everything's been trending in the wrong direction. I haven't heard anything, and the team certainly hasn't let anybody know for sure. this is trending in the right direction. So to me – that's a sign here we are 10, 12 weeks in, in in the next couple of weeks that this is not going in the right direction. Now, we could get surprised in the, in, in the few weeks he can play. But man, it's been a long time since he's seen the field. And he had some sort of setback following that surgery. And whatever it is, it's kept him out. So I don't think you can count on him this year as being a, an integral part of what you would hope he would be, that one-two punch with X. I, I, I agree with you. And when I saw him 
week four. Danny, that's when we played the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. When we played yep. the Bengals, I saw him running on the sidelines, just lightly jogging before the game. He wasn't dressed. He was just in his regular Dolphins uniform. I'm like, all right, maybe he will be back week five, week six. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like you said, there was that stall in it. And all of a sudden, he's no longer like viable for this. I personally don't think he's coming back. Danny, do you think he'll be back this season? No, unfortunately not. And I think that that's one of the big – because like what was saying, everybody gets injured and you're right, throughout the year. It, it, every team feels with it. But there's certain injuries that hurt more than others. And because you guys were so um, reliant on the blitz, especially last year with that zero blitz, For you sure. needed good corners to defend. That was your, your bread and butter. And yeah. once Byron Jones goes down – that strategy goes out the window and you guys aren't blitzing as much as you were last year. And that's what was working for you last year. So I, I think that I don't think he's coming back. And I think that that might be the key as to why your defense hasn't looked like it should this year. No, I, okay. no doubt. You lose that. You lose the number one quarter. They playing that kind of money. He's in production. I forget the money part, just the production wise. For sure. It's going to be a drop off. I don't care how good K who's been. I don't care how good other, other guys have tried to step in. It's just a lot to ask to replace a guy like that. And when Agreed. you're blitzing as much as you guys did, forget about it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where they hope Chubb can help, though, that you can blitz less than you can you can get between Chubb and Phillips. Good pressure without sacrificing and risking out there in the secondary. For sure. Yep. Let's talk about another position. Austin Jackson, he's getting closer to coming back. Mm-hmm. But my my thought process when I when I thought about Austin Jackson was we went through some weeks where like I, I didn't think that there would be a time where I'd be like, I really want Austin Jackson back just because he hasn't been fun. that great. <laughs> Yeah. You know, but then when you see what else you have, I guess the grass isn't green on the other side. Yeah. But Brandon Snell, Robert Jones, they've done a hell of a job yeah. to fill in those shoes at right tackle and right guard. So now my follow-up question to you is, should we rush Austin Jackson back? I think with what you currently have, especially being that we're about to play the Texans, no shot at the Texans, but they're one and eight for a reason. Do you think it's imperative to even bring them back now? Just give them a few more weeks off? Or do you think we're pretty good with with what we have? Well, I think two parts to that. Let's start with Jackson. I think when he's healthy, he needs to play. I still think that he's the best of that group. I think he he should get that chance. I think, you know, again, you're right. There were a lot of Dolphin fans and, you know, all of us kind of looking at the struggles that he had at times. For sure. He was a little inconsistent at times. That you, you were hoping there was another step. Because remember, when he got drafted, such a young guy. He was one of the youngest guys in the draft. You get him, and he's a big dude, and he's slowly developing, but he's having setbacks. Then he has the injury. But you really want to see him in this Mike McDaniel offense being a cog on that offensive line. I think when he's healthy, do you rush him back? No. But if he's got clearance and he's ready and they feel comfortable as they are kind of leaning toward this week, then I say you ride him and go. But to your point on the other guys that have played, do you remember during the three-game losing streak when Tua was out where I think most offenses were saying, I don't even want Tua behind this offensive line because he may not make it through a game the way this line is protecting. And now all of a sudden, and credit to McDaniel and For Tua sure. and the offense, that you know, quick passes, quick decisions, but they're doing more than just – it's not like they're just – protecting the offensive line from itself. The offensive line is protecting Tua and these receivers and these running backs and creating holes in space. I give them credit, man. They have been much better in the last month than I thought they could be while Jackson was out because we were all waiting for him to come back and thinking doomed to say, you know, this is going to be a, a mess. Yeah. And it hasn't been. They've been actually very, very solid to the point of being pretty darn good uh, since that losing streak. And not just pass protection. They've opened up some really big oh, yeah. holes for Jeff Fulson and Raheem Mostert. And that's – I think what Danny's and I's argument has also been is it just can't be about the pass. But all of a sudden, you get Jeff Wilson back there, and now they're both looking really good. Yeah, Danny, nice you, you've been a big proponent about this offensive line that it's been terrible. I, I think we could all agree it's been terrible for many years. Like, even since when Ty- Tannehill was back here, 
the guy was getting sacked 119 times a season. I'm, I'm obviously boosting the numbers up, but, but he was getting slammed a lot. Yeah. When you've seen the upgraded play from this offense, it has to give you a little bit of pause as well. Austin Jackson, yeah, for sure. Let's We need him. But, but you don't have to rush him back just yet. Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think you have to rush him back just yet. Like, again, no slight to the Texans, but I think you guys can manage, you know, with the team that you've put out there the last couple of weeks, you can manage sure. against the Texans. Give him another 14 days to get re- – well, not 14. We're halfway through this week. But right. he can rest another week. Now, once you start playing against the 49ers that have a top defense, you have uh, – who else is coming up after the Niners? I forgot. Got, who, who is they got the West Coast swing. They got that West yeah. Coast swing out there. Yeah. So, 49ers, guys, Chargers, Buffalo. Those will be our, right. our that, that back-to-back Those three back-to-back road games. games. Yeah. yeah. You might want to start, you know, getting Austin Jackson back for those. Like, we so, need you. Well, Even I think if- part of it too is maybe to get him worked in now. There's a theory of getting him worked in against okay. Texas. Let him get in that in that I can see game that. shape again. Like a snap count, maybe uh, of sorts, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, you work him in because throwing yeah. him into the fire with those guys is tough. Look, that's let's all let's not kid that's- ourselves. That's the toughest stretch of the season. That's going to tell us a lot about sure. what the Dolphins where they're going. I think we can all agree they're they're a playoff team, barring some collapse or an injury yes. or two or something unforeseen. Yes, they'll be but in the playoffs. The question now is what kind of playoff team are they going to be? Are they going to be a one and done that has to go on the road and lose in the first round? Or are they a true contender? I think right now they look the part of the true contender. Those three weeks are going to tell us a little bit more. I like that. Do you think that they're a Super Bowl contender right now? Or are you going to wait to see how those three games kind of play out? Because obviously they're a playoff team. Nobody's arguing that. Yeah. But I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender yet. I kind of want to see how those three weeks play out. Like, would you say, okay, I think they're a Super Bowl contender right now? Or like, let me see how those three big games go on the road before Good I question. say Super Bowl contender. I think they're a Super Bowl contender right now because okay. I think that this offense can, you know, you referenced the the Bills Chiefs game last year. Yeah. I mean, this looks like I could you can almost envision a playoff game between two teams, one of them being the Dolphins, where it's gonna be a 38-35 game. For you know sure. what I mean? Where it's the track meet, last team that has the ball kind of stuff wins the game. To me, that's a game that could go either way. I feel the Dolphins like have the capability. Game. Yeah, they have the capability to compete with the with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with those teams like that in a game like that. Now, I think everybody can agree, I think, to the most part, that until you knock off Kansas City, Kansas City's the team to beat. You know, they, they just look every bit the bar offensively, and yeah. they start changing names. And, you know, they bring in guys left and right, and guys get injured, and guys go out. But when it's down to it, it's Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Kadarius you can't to stop it. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they picked up Tony, but they had all these other receivers that they picked up in the offseason that can plug in. You know, and if one of those guys gets hurt, they plug in another guy. It's incredible what they do, but I don't think they're unbeatable. I don't see it as some miracle if the Dolphins had the chance to beat them and beat them. So I do think the Dolphins are a contender as it stands now. I think the Chargers had him on the ropes, right? And obviously the Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's going to find the way to win the game. And then Kelsey, Danny jokes with me about it because I said – you know, I have Kelsey, I have Kittle, and then if I, I guess I'll ask you now. I think Gizeki is up there Why, in that conversation. Because I I personally think he is. I think Gizeki can be a part of that. I don't think he's Kittle. I don't think he's Kelsey, but I think he has the skill wise to be up there and be mentioned. Those guys. Obviously, we're not using him as much as you know people think that we should be using him. But I guess that would be a little bit off topic. Do you think Gizeki? can't be considered a top five tight end if we were be using him more. I don't. 
I don't only Ooh, I think he's a tier okay. two tight end. And the only reason I don't is because I feel that you're right. Look, the usage and the comfort with the player has clearly not been there. Mike McDaniel's sure. offense is not catered toward Gasicki because Gasicki has not a good blocker. And the right. one thing Kittle could do is Kittle's a monster, block. man. He can mm-hmm. block. He can you, know, you see what he did the other night. Yeah. Uh, what was that game in Mexico City where he was just running wild? I don't know if Mike has that next gear in him. You know, he certainly hasn't shown it yet. What Mike does show, though, is I think he could be a tier two guy. He could easily be a kind of guy that if you throw to him a lot, could be 70 catches, 800, 900 yards. For sure. If he gets those opportunities, that offense that they've had before and the offense they have now hasn't been catered to that skill set. That's why I thought I thought he was a prime candidate to get traded because I thought he would get traded and maybe fall into a position like that or a place that's a more traditional offense that could use him in that kind of a way, not necessarily running, you know, to block a lot more as a receiving tight end. Then, then you can go a guy like, you know, you look at a guy like Evan Ingram, you know, who came in the league, can't block anything. That guy's he's basically a glorified wide receiver. Yep. I think Kasiki kind of falls into that category where you can find mismatches, but I don't think it's a, it's just not a point where it's in the Mike McDaniel offense. It fits, but I give credit to McDaniel and Gasicki. Remember all the craziness going into the season where like, oh, Mike's going to get traded. And the deadline sure. was coming, he might get traded. And yep. all the rumors and, and everybody's kind of weird about it. Man, they handled it like pros. Kasiki's going out there making plays when he's asked to. And McDaniel's finding ways to at least give him some sort of a role in the offense. So it's not like if they threw him on the end of the bench and said, oh, whatever, let him rot away. They're still finding a way to use his skill set. But I don't think it's that level. At least it certainly isn't going to be here. Oh, fair enough. I know Danny loves the fact that you just said that because I've I've been a fan of Gasecki. I think he has that. I think he has the talent to make. Well, there's more to give. There's more to give. I agree with you there. I think there's more to give from him. Absolutely. Uh, The fact that he didn't start the last game, like it was Durham Smythe, and I turned to my friend who I go to. I'm a season ticket holder, so I turned to him and I said, "The only reason he's not starting is for the fact of that the lack of blocking ability that he has." It's just big in McDaniel's offense. It's no joke. You got to be able to do it. Right, and Durham Smythe is really good at that. I I like the fact for me. Durham Smythe reminds me of uh, Jason Witten, obviously not in the aspect of being that good, but he could get you those easy first downs and he could block really well. And, and I think that that's what fits better to this offense. But let's go ahead and talk about this Houston Texans game because it's a 1-8 team coming into town. And when I looked at them, and now I, I just found out right before you came on that it's going to be Kyle Allen starting. Yeah, Kyle Allen, yeah, go go get him, Kyle. Right. It's like <laughs> you, know, you know him pretty well. You know he's played for the Commanders. Um when I saw that, I'm like, all right, maybe I, I wasn't so confident with that 14-point spread. They're giving us a 13-and-a-half. But I'm like, I feel a little bit more confident now. What, how do you feel about this game coming up? Because I think it's going to be an easy win, but how do you feel about it? I mean, I agree with you. I saw the Texas play a few weeks ago against the Giants, and then they had that game where they actually hung around. Remember with the Eagles? Uh, I think it was yes. a Thursday night. And they kind of, you know, and it was their running back, the Pierce kid, who just runs like a, a, a monster, man. That kid that went to Florida, he's the one guy you got to look at to try to slow down. You know, they had Brandon Cooks, who, they, who was all angry after not getting traded, and you had issues there. And, I mean, Davis Mills then gets benched. He's been terrible. I mean, throwing yep. right at people, not making good decisions. <laughs> There's not much there. Like I could t- the usually I could you can look at a game right and say, well, if this happens and this happens, about the only way I see the Dolphins struggling, not even losing, struggling against right. the Texans, is they turn the ball over a lot, they get in their own way, and then Pierce runs wild and they can't slow him down. Then maybe it's a game. You know what I mean? If you lose a turnover battle by two or three and you give them easy opportunities and he runs the ball well. But otherwise, I don't see a formula where Miami struggles in this game. And the flip side of that is the Texas defense isn't very good, no. you know, and you could run on them. You could pass on them. You pick your poison. And I think the Dolphins have proven the last couple of weeks, especially since acquiring Jeff Wilson, that they could do both well. 
You know, Tua doesn't have to throw the ball 40 times a game. Tua doesn't have to throw for 350 yards. He can keep a simple 22 of 27 for 230 yards and a couple touchdown kind of game when you can run the ball for 150 yards combined. So I think that's more the formula to go with. I'd be very surprised if this is a game in the second half. Hit me with it, Danny. What he said. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean – we we all saw that we all saw the Texans on the schedule after you know the Lions and, and all these other we knew that this was don't sugarcoat it by the, the way don't sugarcoat it by the way because you've been you've been hating on the fact that we play such soft teams lately but it's been it's been just pointing out the obvious it's not like I'm hating but I'm telling you that don't tell me that they're a Super Bowl team because they're winning these games I'm waiting for these three games coming up after the Texans now if you guys somehow lose to the Texans then we have a conversation to be had right. Right. But that would be a bad happen. conversation. That right. would be a yes. bad conversation. That would not yeah. be a good look. But I, I don't see it happening unless, and you know, God forbid, anybody goes down with anybody significant like Tyreek Hill or Tua goes out with an injury. I, I, there's not much going on in this game that's going to affect the outcome, like much like Will said. So I think also it's going to be an easy victory. I think people are going to be singing the Tua praises and MVP because he's going to have another three, four touchdowns, and Tyreek Hill another 200 yards and yeah. and a thousand <laughs> yards of yak and all that other stuff. Like I get it. Hopefully Bradley Chubb gets to the quarterback two or three times finally. Like I get it. I, I think after this game, everybody's going to feel really good for about a week, and everybody's going to be really excited going into that Niners yeah. game because every, gonna everybody get knows. Because yeah, everybody knows, Dolphin fans, everybody knows. It's been easy. You took care of business, though. Right. You can't. You don't decide who you play. You took care of business, but now is when we really see where this team's at. So, I, I'm excited for you guys. I think it's going to be an exciting week after you guys win this game. I, I, I agree, and I'll just go ahead and pick it now because, well, before I do, Danny, you and I preseason show, we talked about the potential of how many touchdown passes Tua would throw this season. <laughs> you remember the number I said? Uh, I. You said 28, was it? Yeah, I said anywhere between 26 and 28 touchdowns. I said he could flirt around and have a 30, and you're like, 30? And I said he could. And you, right now he's at 18, and and mm-hmm. we still have a few games left. I think he's going to hit that number. He might hit it on Sunday against the Texans. He might put up 12. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and pick this game. Danny, we're 85% favorites. You said that's pretty low. I, I think it's up in the 90s, especially with Kyle Allen starting at, at quarterback. I agree. I agree. Um, you've had a week to prepare for the Houston Texans, and that's saying a lot. There, there's not a lot to prepare for right now currently for that team. I think we're, we're flirting with another 38-point game, and they may they may put up 10. I think the Dolphins come away at home again with another victory. How about you, Danny? Before, Can I pose a quick question? I, I know sure. we're running, we're running uh, tight on time, but yeah, real yeah. quick. To both of you, I'll ask Will first. Do you think this is the quintessential trap game? Because Mike McDaniel is looking ahead to playing against his former team against the Niners. Wow. And because he had two weeks to plan, maybe he's already kind of planning for the Niners a little bit because he's overlooking the Texans. Like, is there any chance of that? I don't think he is, but oh, go ahead, Will. I mean, the, it, it's a two-part question, right? Is it the quintessential trap game? Yes, because a trap game really is where you have a weaker opponent and you have a, a, a matchup. That's not just a good matchup, but there's a storyline with the matchup, right? Exactly. The Daniel exactly. connection, the 49ers are getting better. They made all these moves. They're hot. Absolutely. But very rarely is it when it's the worst team in the NFL. And right now the <laughs> Texans are the worst team. in the NFL. Like it's one thing if you're overlooking, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yes. Come up with a middle team you're overlooked even the lines the lines at least you could say but their offense is because they have a good offense right and by the way the lines have won three in a row since they lost to the dolphins so now that dolphins win that was kind of a close for everybody was maybe questioning the dolphins a bit you're saying hey the lines aren't that bad i mean they're not good but they're not that bad the texans are that bad 
So that's why I don't it, think it, it falls It was a reach. That. It was a reach. I'm just They're reaching. that bad. They're just that really bad. You know how you, you answered before? What he said. Go ahead, man. Pick yeah. this game. <laughs> uh, I think I think the Texans get rocked. I, I say you guys put up – I think you guys take your foot off the pedal, honestly. I think you guys take your foot off the pedal. I, I, just to make sure that Tua doesn't get hurt, he might leave the game early. I'd say 38 uh, – give him a touchdown. Let's give, him, let's give him two field goals. I gave him 10. I was 30, being 38-6. Nice. 38-6 is what I'm calling. All right, Will, what about you? 34-14. I, I like it. The Dolphins rolling. They may get a late touchdown or something, maybe sneak one in or on the way. But I don't think this is a game where in the second half we're going, oh my God, it's you know 20, no. 20 to 14 and still a close game. And they gotta put, you know, they gotta put them away. I think by halftime they've got this game in pretty good command. This All is right. a red zone channel kind of game, right? where you get to flip around with the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, real quick ticket giveaway. I posted it about on my Twitter. I will be on a cruise this Sunday during the Texans game. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. I am literally giving away my seats. Section 130, row one, uh, seats 17 and 18 with a parking pass. Um, Damn, I, I, awesome. You know, I, I figured there's somebody out there who, A, can't afford to go to these games, Will, and B, probably has never been to a Dolphins game. Oh, that's so pretty cool, man. If I could get a Dolphins fan in those seats, obviously, I, people are like, why didn't you sell them? They'll probably sell really well, especially right now. That's not what I'm about. I think right now, if I could help somebody to go to the game that they've probably never been, I, I want to do that. Um, additionally, I'm on a bye week. Danny, I don't know what you're going to do without me next week to run this Dolphin show, but... Um... Yeah, Will along. Me and Will are going to run this show. <laughs> yeah. A giant jet show? Is that what we're doing? We're, you come back and it's called the, it's called the giant jet show. <laughs> Completely flipped upside down. <laughs> well, from the bottom of my heart, Will, like I said, I've been watching you since 1999 where I was a freshman in high school. It's, it's amazing to... I've actually met you before at a Marlins game many moons ago. Much younger, less bearded, much less fat on my body. But I will tell you, it was a pleasure meeting you in person because you were so nice and it, you were super kind to come on today and talk some Dolphin football with me. Really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and thank you no, for man, joining my, us. My, my pleasure, guys. And listen, we'll, we'll do it again. Uh, let's sit, let's do this. Dolphins make it to the AFC title game. We'll do it again. We'll do a little Ooh, preview of that. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold oh, you, you to that. I really, I really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you and I can be talking about draft positioning. Oh, oh sure. there we go. There we go. <laughs> for sure. I'll tell you, who are we getting? C.J. Stroud? That, 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 that's what I, we're looking I, I'm for. I'm looking – dude, last night, the Giants are 7-3, and three, and this week I was looking through top five QBs next year's oh, draft already. Because yeah, Daniel Jones, he's been he's been playing decent, but, you know, yeah, he's, I, I he's, agree. He, yeah, they're, trust me, that regime came in to, to rebuild. They didn't come to keep him. No, he's no, been fine. He's, he's, right, though. he's been fine. But he, yeah, sure. so I'll take a Daniel Jones over a Zach Wilson right now. Let me tell you. Fair you, enough. Probably, Fair enough. Probably, that's probably a good call. <laughs> Ladies and this was episode 12 of the Battered Fins Fan Podcast. I am the Bearded Fanatic. That is the Battered Jets fan. Will Mantle again. Have a great night. And I'll catch you tonight on at 11 on Channel yeah. 10 News.